despite all indications uh, otherwise, we seem to still find ourselves in possession of a microphone. Yep. So we're back. I'm it's Hampton. Pretty, I'm Michael. And I think it was you who helped me not lose this microphone. I think it was. I don't think we've done the I'm Hampton, I'm Michael thing for a while. Yeah, we haven't. Yeah. Well, um, that's who we are. I was told to speak up, or we need to be louder. Oh, um, who so said that? Listeners. Oh, many, many listeners. Um, so I'm, I'm trying, to, or we're trying to be louder. Oh. Clearer. Like this? Well, not you, me. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm... So I'm going to make a <laughs> cocktail. Cocktail. And uh, I'm actually going to, so I'm no. going to do something that uh, is new, uh, a new segment, uh, which is reading from this uh, wonderful book called The Gentleman's Compendium, uh, Volume 2. Or Gentleman's Companion Volume 2, which has uh, now been reissued as uh, Jigger, Beaker, and Glass Drinking Around the World. Uh, it is a travelogue from, I think, 1936, 39, sorry, there you go, or it's when it was first published, uh, about this gentleman who traveled the world drinking. And it is very uh, colorful. So I'm going to read a, a little story from it, because that's... That's, that's, the, that's what you've come to expect, is a short story. Yeah. Um, not long ago, we asked a drinking friend of ours, an old and accomplished hand, how it was that he came to the art of imbibing. When I was a very young boy, he replied, my father set a fine example. This was in that breathing space between wars, when every man worth his salt from Bangor, Maine to Barstow, California, took pride in rounding off the day with a tip of the arm or two. A lovely euphemism for drinking, a tip of the arm. Um, this was as true for the working man as it was for the bank president uh, and executives of the world, the class to which our father's friends belong. Quote, my father drank regularly and with flair, and our family clicked happily along in the manner for some time. Then America joined World War II, and true tra uh, tragedy in ensued. Your father went overseas, we asked naively. Even worse, we were informed. Too old for combat. Our friend's father was prepared to sit out the war on the sidelines, keeping the home front spirits high with, well, his usual flow of spirits. While much has been made of the wartime shortages of sugar, shortening, and gasoline, far less has been said about the shortage of that other staple, scotch whiskey. And for this crucial shortage, there was at last no ration card. Enterprising drinkers fell back on a method perfected during Prohibition, the dubiously legal purchase. A well-to-do and well-connected drinker like our friend's father, who had over the years favored a particular bar with his business, now had the edge in purchasing directly from the bar's proprietor. There was, however, a catch. Single bottles could not be bought. The private buyer could, pur uh, could purchase only by the case. And for every case of scotch he bought, he had to purchase an equal amount of rum, a liquor that was available in great surplus, though the actual demand was low. Seeing how things stood, enterprising bar owners across the country now seized the opportunity to turn a quick profit. The widespread practice of, of selling scotch case for case with rum gave rise to the saying, a bottle of rum for a bottle of scotch. In other words, you may buy the bottle of wheat, but you must also buy the chaff, and at a pretty penny, too. Uh, quote, I was about 14 at the time, our friend went on. My father had now secured a supply of his much-loved scotch, but this resulted in an overflow of rum. Not one to waste anything, he f fell into the habit of offering me an after-school topper. I would come in through the door and he would say, well, how about a rum and coke? <laughs> I enjoyed those afternoons with my father and very handedly got rid of his rum. Which only goes to show you that behind every drinker, there's a great story. And behind every great drinker, there are a great many stories. 
Thus endeth our reading from Jigger, Breaker, and Glass, Drinking Around the World by Charles H. Baker Jr. Jr. Um, Pretty story. I like that story, right? So it's cute. It. Are you, it's, it's fine. Keep going. Uh, it's basically a, a travelogue, but it also includes an awful lot of cocktail recipes, uh, which we've been advised by our bartender friend to not, like, you don't want to trust the recipe straight out. Um, they need some perfecting, because I think it's quite often what he, he learned in a bar by asking the bartender, and they, they usually shorthand what they're telling you. So, uh, anyhow, that's a pro tip there. Um, yeah. What, one of my patented pro tips, yes. Um, yeah, so let me see. Uh, the one I've recently really gotten into is... Uh, Something we'll shake. making eventually. Yeah, which is a uh, turf number two. Uh, it's a little. It's like a Martinez with a little bit of absinthe to it. Um, yeah, so it's, it's... Like, okay, here's a cocktail recipe. The Million Dollar Cocktail Number One, as mixed by... Shideki Saitiro, number one bar at the Imperial Hotel, Tokyo, Japan, 1926, 1931, and 1932. And then it goes on with the uh, recipe, because this guy, like, legitimately was in uh, pre-war Japan, <laughs> hanging out, uh, getting cocktails made at a very fancy hotel. Um, um, yeah, and it's all, like, there's kind of stories along with all the cocktails, uh, which is pretty cool. Oh, because there's a million-dollar cocktail number two is mixed by Nomura at uh, the Tor Hotel Kobe, dating from 1926, 1931, and 1932. Um, so just saying that he used a little more vermouth. Uh, well, that's like, it's a best I mean, it's still in print, which is crazy, right? Um, okay. We'll that. He's almost there. Sorry. Our it's cocktails are coming. Uh, I know normally you get them done like instantaneously well, this, is, this is pretty involved i suppose okay um so this is a is that floating thing normal shut up i felt it oh it's got lemon in it so it is. it's got lemon okay it's normal then okay um so this is a slow gin fizz Ooh. Uh, so i've been into my slow gin recently uh, mm. thank you sean and uh cheers cheers uh so it's Equal parts slow gin and regular gin, dry gin. Um, three quarters parts um, simple syrup and three quarters parts lemon juice. And then mm. topped off with soda. Interesting. Got a very lemony, complicated flavor to it. It is quite refreshing. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a nice summery drink as we're, as we're Coming into summer right now. Coming into summer. Um, Michael, these have to be evergreen episodes. You can't talk about what time of year. That's true. Sorry. Um, as we're coming into whatever season you are You're currently in. It's a You're perfect time in. for a... It is the perfect time for whatever drink we're drinking. For a slow drink. Yeah. Right. So I don't believe in seasons for uh, Well, like that's alcohol. true, but... We I just in, say it's always. We live in California, so... The season is always. The se yeah, that's true. Um, so, at the end of the last episode, we finished on a little quiz for me, Michael, um, and we, uh, sorry, one second. Michael, they know who you are. We're, like, best friends with every listener. It's true. They know everything about us. Um, so... Michael is now running around the apartment for some reason, Yeah. which I'm curious how so it's I going have, now. I have another thing. 
Um, uh, did you just pull a magazine out of the trash? No. That would be gross. Just, I think you just pulled That'd a magazine out of the trash. So gross. That's what just okay. happened. So we ended the last episode with um, Hampton giving me a quiz on Yiddish terms. Mm -hmm. So I have two quizzes for Hampton. And hopefully it will be much fodder for many hilarious jokes. Okay. <laughs> so first, uh, segueing from the Yiddish jokes directly, uh -huh. I have a glossary of terms that have come from Seinfeld. Ooh. Um, and I want you to explain what these terms are, or to let me know if you know what they are. I, I would not. Hampton is, Hampton is a big Seinfeld fan. Uh, he felt like growing up, like, in the Deep South, Seinfeld was one of those programs he could relate to um, yeah, in terms of than... his humor. Yeah. Okay. An antidentite. You know what that is, or what that's referencing. Antidentite. I mean, well, so there's the one where uh, somebody famous bit a pencil in somebody's car. So the one where is actually a Friends thing. So that's... People who love sitcoms are laughing hilariously. So every Friends episode starts with the one where... Dot, 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 and you said the one where... Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I'm not a friend. Sorry. No. Um, okay, so it's not what you're about to say. There's no biting pencils. Okay, I don't know what anti-dentite is. So it's a person who's prejudiced against dentists... Uh, a deplorable sort, according to Tim Watley, DDS, played by... Oh, that's a... points. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the guy from Breaking Bad. Yes, it is the guy from Breaking Bad, um, Aaron Paul. No! It's Brian Cranston. It's Brian Cranston. Um, okay, Close Talker. That was pretty easy. I knew that. Yeah, that was Judge Reinhold. Oh, right, I didn't, it doesn't have the name of the person. Yeah. But, like, but what is it? It's it's a person who doesn't have good okay, personal very space. Good. Yeah. Uh, Festivus. It's pretty... I think everyone knows Oh, yeah. I know what Festivus is. Well, it's just because we've been celebrating it. It's true, we do celebrate it. Every... Well, it's normally... It's like Christmas, right? Or nearly. Right. I was going to ask, like, specifically. But Hampton's terrible with dates, so... Oh, I don't know what the specific it, date of... It's December the 23rd. Always. Yeah, um, yeah I mean... Do, can you can you name me any of the traditions of Festivus? Well, you have to put up a Festivus poll. That's true. You dance around it, I believe. I don't know if that's part of it, but... Okay. Alright. Um, what else do you have to do at Festivus? Oh, this is terrible, Michael. Yeah, I know. You're a terrible Seinfeld fan, apparently. <sighs> so you have to air your grievances. <laughs> right, there's the airing of grievances. And the feats of strength. Oh, Those right. Those yeah. uh, Everyone was screaming at, the, <laughs> at their podcast, or whatever you scream at when you're listening to a podcast. Uh, okay. A jerk store? I I don't know that this is actually a thing. I, I think they just put us in to flesh this out. Uh, a fictional business that sells a certain, t a certain type of odious individual? I don't know. Uh, master of your domain? That's when you can't, like, it, not masturbating. That's true. Uh, shrinkage? That's, that's when you get out of the pool and yes. your penis is smaller. And Spongeworthy. Oh, that's a that very handsome good. guy. Who is worth using a sponge, which is now a very antiquated uh, contraceptive device? I find, I think that one's the best one. I really like that one. But she goes on like th it's a link goes on like three dates, and she's yeah. only got like ten sponges left, and she's like, "But you, well, I really like them. him, but I don't know if he's sponge worthy sponge yet." That's pretty amazing. So you can only use them once, I guess. Yeah, they're like I don't. I think you put a sponge in your vagina, I guess, and then it like soaks up the juice. Yeah, okay. 
Okay. So, I think there's a reason they discontinued this as well, a maybe. decent it sounds, promo. It sounds a little bit gross. Um, okay. So I'm looking... So as, as a also kind of segue from that, I'm looking at a couple of um, British expressions that I want to see if Hampton knows. Okay. Um, so I was going to say aggro. I think you... An aggressive person? Yeah. Just, you're getting aggro. You're getting a bit aggressive right now. Yeah, i got, I got to get ready. got to get my head right now. got to get a bit aggro. See, I'm getting that back in my British. Yeah, yeah. That was Perfect brilliant. accent. Yeah. Brilliant. London. Um, backy? Have you got any backy? Oh, tobacco? Yeah. Is that, is that also... In... No. No. <laughs> it's not. Okay. Um, uh, dogs bollocks. Do you know that one? It's really good, right? It's really good. Yeah. The do- it's the dog's bollocks. This restaurant. This. Yeah. It's, good, it's a good name. It, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really understand it. Uh, oh, to bodge something? Do you yeah. have that? Well, is that to, like, make a short-term fix? Uh, I mean, I, I know it as to, um, like, to mess things up. So I totally mm. bodge this job. Mm. But, I mean, so it could be a short-term fix in terms of, like... They bodged the plumbing job. Yeah, it was a botched job. It was a botched job. Are we saying, well, we say botched. Oh, botched. Yeah, okay. Similar, I'm sure similarly, similar etymology. Um, do you, you don't use the term bugger a lot over here. Or bugger all. Well, I mean, to bugger is to have sex right. up the ass. Right. Do you know what bugger all means? Like none. Yeah, it's like fuck all. Um, butchers. You know that one. Well, wait, it's to take a look. Yeah, it is. Uh, chuffed. Very excited. Well, pleased. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. Um, wow, there's a bunch of these I think you know. Wait, we'll try. This is for our audience, not for me, Michael. That's true. A diddle? I mean, to touch inappropriately? It can mean that, <laughs> but it could also mean to, to just um, con someone. I got diddled out of 20 bucks. Hmm. Would mean I got conned out of hmm. twenty bucks. Dodgy. I don't hear that. Not good quality. Yeah. Right? yeah, it's dodgy. This uh, this chicken's a bit dodgy. Wouldn't cook it. Yeah. Um. That, that one's pretty good. Oh, donkey's ears. I don't know that one at all. Really? No. That means in forever. So it's like oh, I haven't seen you in donkey's ears. Donkey's ears. Years. Years. Oh, years. The time span. Donkey's yeah. ears. Donkey's that's ears. Pretty good. It sounds like donkey's uh, ears. Do you say up the duff? At all? Um, no. Okay, so if someone's up the duff, it means they're pregnant. Hmm. Don't really know. Named after Hillary, you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's famously got a lot pregnant. of abortions. <laughs> You're welcome, uh, audience. To faff? Oh, to faff is like delay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like. To faff about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not do anything. Right, right. So it's like, ah, uh, like, oh, we're supposed to leave at six. Why are you still faffing about? You still like you say that one to me a lot, so yeah, no, that's true. Um, fanny, it's, which means it's, it means your oh, vagina right. in it Britain. It does mean your vagina in Britain. So fanny pack is hilarious to British people because, but it means butt in American English, right? But we have bum bag, which is fanny pack. Weirdly, we call vaginas bums here. Mm. That's, not true. that's no. not true. Um, yeah. So fanny is. The ladies' front bits. Which I think mm. is a very nice... I like, I like that. Uh, so when you get your loan through Fannie Mae... That's true. That's pretty funny for me, actually. That is. Um, 
to flog something to sell it yeah it's to flog it oh, okay right is that yeah, yeah yeah is that something yeah no okay uh to be full of beans i guess full of full of full of crap no actually it's very um up and raring to go full of vim like oh i'm full of beans <laughs> i'm ready to get this yeah okay to have lots of energy there you go sorry that's uh, it's a polite way of saying a child is a maniac, according to this. But, yeah. Oh, like, uh, oh, he's full of beans. Full of beans, this kid. Yeah, it means he's, uh, he's, he's, he's a pain. He's gonna be a Nazbo. Um, if I said, like, I'm gagging for some cheese right now. <laughs> do you have Not, that in the ES? No. Okay. But, I mean, I, I mean, I would get it through the context. I'm assuming you really want it. Yeah, yeah. It means you're desperate for it. I think it's what your brothers said, maybe. Oh, I'm gagging for a gagging for a super duper burger. I'm trying to incorporate bits of American culture oh, into, in your into the British slang. So um, hopefully that's coming across. Um, Perfect. Oh, give me a bell to call. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, oh, give me a bell when you get home, and we'll yeah, uh, ghoulies. Oh, that's a good one. In the UK, that means you're. Uh, oh wait, do you want to guess? I don't know. Oh, it means you're, uh, you're bulls. You're ghoulies? Yeah. I was kicked in the ghoulies. So my dad used to say that a lot when, um, as, as like a minced oath. Uh, so he'd like hit his thumb with a hammer and he'd be, oh, ghoulies. And I thought that was hilarious because I thought ghosts and ghoulies were like spirits or something. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so I started saying it and my dad was like, no, you can't say that. It's not cool. Is it spelled like ghouls? No, no, no. It's spelled G O O L I E S. Okay. Um, whereas Ghoul is G H O. Yeah. And that one's pretty fun, actually. Um, Grub. We yeah. have that. Okay. We have a site called Grubhub. That's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, do you know what someone's, if someone's serving on Her Majesty's Pleasure, you know what that means? I mean, it's a royal appointment. No. Uh, well, of a sort, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, that means they're in prison. <laughs> so, if you're in Her Majesty's Pleasure, um, or detained at Her Majesty's Pleasure, that means you're in prison. That's super weird. That's pretty fun. Uh, oh, oh, this one's a good one. How's your father? Do you know that? No. <laughs> These are all very funny. Um, so, if I said... Oh, I went to the neighbors, but they were having a bit of how's your father. Sex? Yeah. Don't understand why or where it comes from, but... Oh, how, Vicar. How, yeah, I know, right, that's true. Uh, how's your father means... Um, oh, yeah, it's a little bit nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? How's your father means... Open communication about sexual habits. Everything. Everything. Um, oh, jammy. I, I use mean, that one I, You say jammy sod, and I don't know what it means. I guess lucky. Yeah, it's lucky. Or fluky. Um, fluky? A fluke? <laughs> no, you don't have that? Oh, like a, like I would, a, a rare thing is a fluke. Yeah, exactly. So if you're fluky, it's lucky or something. <laughs> I, I know that was a real... Fluke. I don't know the word fluky. I mean, it's just a, an adjective or whatever on the end of... Uh, a rare occurrence. So, all of that poker hand was so fluky. Um, or jammy is equally. I had a jammy hand. Well, I, I don't know if you'd say it yourself. 
It's more like talking about someone else. Um, oh, you're such a jammy sod. Like, if you got a really good poker hand on the last turn of the whatever it is, flop. I don't know. Hey. My poker terms. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, as the last card turns and then you win the whole thing, that's really jammy. So jammy. Hmm. Um, jammy sod. Yeah. So that's what jammy means. Same in jammy one. sod, now you think about it. Um, knob. Yeah, that's pretty... That's pretty... Uh, You're a knob. Yeah. Like knob, knob Hill? Like, yeah, like Knob Hill. Knackered? I don't hear that being used that much. Being tired. Yeah, it just means really tired. That's what I think we know British people say. So is Knob so Hill really funny to you? Knob Hill is hilarious. But wait, so Knob is not... I guess so, but... Yeah. Not really. Ooh. Not enough that anybody would think uh, about it. Leg it? Like, you got to leg it. Wait, that's a brand of pantyhose in the US, I think. L-E-G space I-T? No, it's like, L-E-G-G-I-T or something. Uh, oh. I mean, I guess that makes sense. So it means to run for something. You got to leg it to get to the bus. That means you got to like really yeah. sprint or something like that. Run. Yeah, but like run really fast, desperately. I mean, yeah. Uh, lovely jubbly. Which means good. <laughs> it's lovely jubbly. Alright, alright, it's enough fun. Oh, okay, okay. There, there are so many good British terms though. Well, actually, that's pretty much it. That's it. That's it. You, you have like a whole that, well, I was, I was halfway through the alphabet. Pucker. It's pretty good. What is a pucker? No, pucker just means good. It's good. It's pucker. <laughs> so there's this whole brand of pies in the UK called pucker pies. And they're really, that, that like comes from like good. Oh. So it's like great pies. It's pucker pies. It's pucker. I think it's like, I mean, so Jamie Oliver said, says, said it a lot. I don't know. He's probably toned that down since moving to the US, but pucker. Do you live in the US then? I don't know, but he's, he's on TV a lot, right? You know who he is. He yeah. has to tone down all that British stuff. Well, I know he did a show where he, like, came to teach American schools how to do better food. Oh, yeah. And then they, like... And then he ended up flying or something. Yeah, and, like, they didn't take any of his suggestions, and yeah. they, like, kicked him out. It was, like, a big failure, both awesome. actually with the schools and as a show. So, good work, Jamie. Hey, you gotta try things. You do. And he did. Well, I mean, his thing was, you know, like, these basically free meal, low-income schools, and like, like, oh, we need fresh ingredients, and then, you know, the head of the cafeteria is like, well, that's great, yeah. but we open a can right now, and I, you know, I only pay two people, and we feed double the kids, yeah. and then, like, the price kept going up. I remember the show because he was like no but we can get fresh apples and they're like well so i really liked there was a show in the uk where heston blumenthal did a whole thing where he tried to um like do good meals i think he did a school one he did like an airline so he did british airways mm. he like came up with a whole new menu that one was really cool yeah and he was but like, that was supposed to be one off and maybe use well, a model different than well I that think. was yeah it was like a series of one hour episodes but he was, he did the whole research into, you know, airline food tastes different. So you have to add a bunch more salt and stuff to airline food to make it taste as good because your senses are mm. put off by the pressure or something. No. Um, but anyway, there was a whole series he did. And I think he did school meals as well. But he was basically doing under constraints a bunch of stuff. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, no, that, I mean, I like that show a bit more, I think, just because. It's more of a science experiment than a 
trying to like push some sort of mm. well, something. I, I really want to go to his restaurants. Um, yeah, mostly exclusively in the UK, I believe. So Heston Blumenthal is the equivalent of, I guess, Thomas Keller in the UK. So like, um, insanely well respected, inventive, one of those bizarre chefs. He 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 was the head chef of the Fat Duck. Yeah. Um, yeah. Super. So he does this whole show where he he like had a theme and he would invite celebrities over, and they would do these crazy dinner parties um, of like. Uh, you know, he'd have a Willy Wonka one, and he'd do, like, um, edible wallpaper, and then one where he'd do traditional Yeah, lickable. Food. It was a yeah, Willy, yeah. yeah, the Willy Wonka. Right. Hmm. Uh, he did 80s foods. And he did a pot noodle. Wait, do you have pot noodles? No. Okay. So pot noodle is like a ramen cup thing? Well, we have cup of noodle, or whatever it's called. Okay. I'm sure it's good. Yeah, it's probably. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. What, what, do you wanna, what are you doing? No, I was trying to increase the volume, but like, I don't know how to figure out. Trying to follow the... Look, we have a microphone. We don't know how to use it. That's true. To be honest. Um, yep. So, what do you want to talk about now? Well, we were talking about food. We could talk about the dinner we had last night. Oh, we can. So, we went to Kwa. Uh, Kwa. C-O-I. Because uh, it sounds like it could be French. Yeah. Or, if you read it, I was pronouncing it Koi for a long time until I was corrected. Um, so it's in North Beach in San Francisco. It's got two Michelin stars. Um, Which, weirdly, North Beach and South Beach are nowhere near any beaches. Yeah. yeah it's like, sad, right? There's no beaches anywhere no beaches, near there. No beaches. Um, I found it funny I've gotten so used to only judging... Or only taking into account stars if they're Michelin stars... But I will say, oh, it's a two-star place. And people are like, oh, that's not very good. I'm like, no, two stars is amazing. Like, don't you understand? And then I'm like, oh, you mean like Yelp stars. I hope you got the disdain with which I said that. Uh, No, I I said like, oh, yeah, we got married at a two-star restaurant. It's like, oh, oh, that's good for you? I'm like, no, two Michelin stars. Come on. Come on, people. This is your humble brag. That is my humble brag. And also... Complain. Uh, yeah, complain. Well, I mean, we got we got married at a two-star two restaurant. Uh, yeah, so we went to a super fancy dinner last night, and mm. it was really good. It was. Uh, it was. It was 12 courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually weren't that big, so nobody had, to, nobody had to roll us out of there, yeah, okay. which is fine. Which is good. Because um, sometimes you get a little bit intense. Yeah. I don't like it when they do that. No, but it was uh, it was very focused on. I think the chef is Daniel Patterson. I want to say, um, very focused on California cuisine, very focused on California flavors. Um, I really liked it. It was it was the first time I think I've been to a restaurant, and I each course has had a very distinct flavor, and each one has come out very clearly in the course. Yeah. And it's been very Californian and very. Um, it's true. You know, and they would talk about, oh, these mushrooms were picked Oops. on uh, Mount Shasta, and these chives are from our roof garden, and blah blah blah. But um, it was it was really really amazing. Um, I really enjoyed it all the way through. Yeah, I think my only complaint is the service was a little overly friendly, which mm. can be a thing. Like <clears throat> a little too much. Let's I talk mean, about I how still, your day was. Yeah, and like, I still haven't found the balance between. 
that and like cold and formal. Yeah, I'm fine with. It depends how you interpret formal service. But I've heard you complain or talk about places with very formal service and say I didn't really like the formal service. And it's interesting like, to like me, Quince, like Quince or Midsummer House to a certain extent. So I really like Midsummer House's bubble, but obviously that was more formal. No. Then what? Then Quince. What? Right, which is why I liked it. Okay. But you think it was less fun than Quince? Yeah, Quince was... But even the food at Quince was more... It was stuffier. Structured and stuffier. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, you don't have to be... Like, we don't need to have a conversation. You don't have to pretend to be my friend. Yeah. Like, that's... Like, you really, really don't like... I mean, I naturally don't like that. I don't like it when you go to... So the one time I can think of is Outback Steakhouse, and this server was just way too into hmm. everything and it, I, I felt like the office space or whatever um she had lots of flair lots of flair um right and then i agree that that's annoying but also i didn't feel like quite that overbearing no nope. maybe i'm just a sucker for being what pandered to like the guys, like oh, like three people were like, "You're celebrating a special occasion." Oh, which we're we so won. excited. I felt so bad. Yeah, and I was like, I mean, we said, well, we kind of got a good contract at work, and that's good, but like, it wasn't. Yeah. So I put it on the forum, and they were like, "What are you celebrating?" I was like, "We're celebrating life," or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then they were like, "No, no, no! You you said we are celebrating that it's good to be alive." Or we're glad that we're alive, or something. I don't know if I actually said that. I think I said we're celebrating life. Okay. And then because the guy the was like... Was like, oh, so, um, are you celebrate? You said you're celebrating being alive. Uh, is, uh, you, I'm so glad you're in recovery, or something. So, and I'm like, like, oh, no, no. We, Hampton just didn't think that they actually read those things. I don't think it would turn into, like, a whole thing. Well, it did. And then, like... But we got some champagne in the beginning. Like, they did a whole thing, like, well, I was talking to the chef, and I said you were celebrating something. But... So, he okay. decided to put in an extra course. So, so Which, I, by the way, on the website, it says 12. You prepay before you go for 12 courses. Then we show up, and he's like, well, it's eight courses, and sometimes we expand it. And I'm like, no, no, no. When I put in my freaking credit card number and prepaid for these very expensive seats, yeah. it was 12. So, so, so there you're were gonna 12, give me 12. but we got 13 because that of that extra one, which was amazing, by the way, the popcorn thing. That, was, that made that, it 13? That was definitely 13, because I looked at the menu afterwards, and also noticed that no one else on the tasting menu got that course. So we did get one special course, and it was, I thought it was pretty amazing. Um, nobody else got that one. Nobody else got it. And they can... Because I paid attention to the courses before and after... And I noticed all the other tables getting those courses without anything in between. Hmm. Because I am also highly skeptical of being treated as special. See, I was even more skeptical that he mentioned that that one thing we got that was a was it popped corn a grits. It was popped corn. <laughs> it was popped corn grits. So <laughs> it tasted like popcorn because it was made out of popped right. corn. Uh yeah, sorry. Um, and uh, he's like, oh, it's something in our chef's uh, cookbook, cookbook no, right, which right. was listed for $50 in the menu. And I'm like, are you trying to upsell us on the cookbook I mean, right now? Yeah, I, I, your cynicism just adds so much fun to everything. I know, I am so um, cynical. I really am. 
like it just made the meal so much better you know like having you second guess everything that the and stuff yeah. yeah anyway uh i had a really good time despite the hamptons maybe um, maybe they really did like us maybe i don't think so wait i i do not always think you know, nice interactions with staff, like service staff or, right. I mean, sorry, we have like <laughs> most of our friends now work at bars. Right. I would say like, cause we met them being patrons. Right. Um, like I'm not always thinking that somebody's, you know, whatever, like working an angle directly. Yeah. But it's just kind of when restaurants are over the top, like when, when like a wait, waiter at a Applebee's says, you know, now y'all come back in the South. They don't really care if you come back or not. Right. They're thinking about quitting. Yeah. There's no... It's all just whatever. Um, no, I don't know. Maybe that made me... I mean, the similarities between Applebee's and Qua are myriad. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know if the attitudes of people working there are exactly the same. No. But that was more than any other really fancy restaurant we've been to. The one where I felt like they were most making like a big yeah, personal deal out of trying to talk to you. And I'm like, nope. look, let's be nice to each other. Let's have a great meal. That's it. Mm -hmm. Like, don't, and there's no. Yep, yep, let's just get through this. Let's get through this together. We're yep, going to do we can this. We do it. I won't be rude to you. See you on the other side. Yep. Yep. Like, refill my water when it goes um, down. So we have a couple of other meals coming up that I'm also very excited about. Um, progress and lazy bear so we will also talk about how those go how, how you don't get to eat at places like these <laughs> well i don't know well, maybe they get maybe they might. i mean i feel like our listeners have been to those sorry it's not just david now uh justin also listens by the way um, wait there's a hundred people who listen per episode oh really oh okay okay there's a lot of people out there. Uh, okay. I just feel like it's easier if I can talk to, you know, just talk to a couple of people. To, it's to, more intimate that way. To other dudes in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. We try to make this podcast open and accessible to everyone who's yeah. a dude in San Francisco. Right. Well, um, what about the UK? How, how's that going? Wait, what? I was just trying to expand our reach beyond San Francisco. We already so did a whole segment on the UK earlier. Oh yeah, that's true. So we've already panned to <laughs> to my homeland. There you go. And that's all the diversity in the world. Yeah, pretty much. Um, uh, well, on that note, uh, we'll wrap up this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. This was fun. We talked. We went over British stuff. Talked about fancy food. Yeah. It's pretty cool Seinfeld trivia. Seinfeld trivia. You did you did pretty well in that, I suppose. You suppose. The moops didn't come up, no. which is the only Seinfeld bit I know. I need to watch that. You have to. I know. Legally. Although I was reading something where Elaine's boss eats a Snickers with a knife and fork, which I'm pretty excited because I like Snickers and I like eating food properly, so I'm pretty excited to watch that. What's her boss's name? Oh. It's in a bunch of them. The catalog boss, I think. Mm. Oh my gosh. See, it's been too long. Yeah. Oh, Jay Peterman. Jay Peterman. Jay there Peterman. I want to emulate Jay Peterman. He travels the world, Jay Peterman. 
That's pretty good, right? I, I, I don't know this Everybody out there is like, that's character. pretty good. I know. It's pretty right. funny. Uh, all right. Well, we look forward to discussing that next time. Yes. Uh, enjoy your day, everyone. <laughs>